Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. Shocking and disturbing new details emerging at this hour about a five-year-old missing Wichita boy. I'm talking about Lucas Hernandez. What happened this is Crime Stories. I'm Nancy Grace. Thank you for being with us. Listen to this. Happy birthday, dear Lucas. Happy birthday to you. Blow out your candle. Good job, bud. You're five years old. Tomorrow. What you just heard is happy birthday being sung to little five-year-old Lucas Hernandez. That was at his five-year birthday. Lucas is missing Somebody knows where he is, and I have very strong suspicions that somebody is his stepmother and his bio dad. Overnight, we find out that his dad is put behind bars, but nothing to do with Lucas. It has to do with a domestic assault, and guess what else? He's already out of jail. When will there be justice for Lucas? This child seen by many people, relatives, others with cuts, bruises, not not enough to eat. It just, it finally ended when the child completely goes missing. And, and it just, I can't believe that dad is behind bars on a domestic assault. And he walks out, walks out scot-free while his five-year-old son is missing. I want to know the very latest with me kim martin from missing pieces network trying to find answers well-known juvenile judge and lawyer founder of childcrimewatch.com ashley wilcott also with me investigative reporter with crimeonline.com lee Egan Lee, let's start at the beginning. When did Lucas go missing? He disappeared, according to Emily Glass, on February 17th. 
although we're really not sure. It could have been the day prior. You know, that's confusing to me, Kim Martin, with Missing Pieces Network, how nobody knows exactly when he went missing. I have a problem with that. Hold on, Kim. Ashley, I know where my children are at this minute, at this exact minute. I know when I saw them last. I'm not confused. Why are they confused? See, that that gives me a very bad vibe on this so-called stepmother, Emily Glass, and the father, too. I'll throw them both in the same pot to boil, how they don't know when he went missing. Yeah, in this field, that's a huge red flag because at a minimum, there's a lack of supervision, which can be grounds for kids being removed from a home. I think it's more than a lack of supervision. I think they're responsible or know who's responsible. This little missing Wichita boy, Lucas Hernandez, is absolutely the cutest thing you would ever want to see. He's only five years old. Now, he was reported missing on a Saturday at 6.15 p.m. And the 26-year-old stepmother tells cops she last saw him around 3. What? Three, three, and uh, nearly three and a half hours go by before you call the cops. She says she took a shower and a nap. And when she woke up, he was just gone and the back door open. Okay, police have gone so far as to say nothing so far indicates the little boy was kidnapped. That they searched the home, they searched the surrounding neighborhood, they searched a nearby park, but still don't know what happened. Kim Martin with me with Missing Pieces Network. Kim, can you clarify anything about his disappearance? I know that... The evening, it was either lunch that day or the evening before, the stepmother, Emily Glass, takes her daughter to Olive Garden. You know, the bottomless salad and all that. And she leaves Lucas at home staring out the window with nothing to eat. I know that much. She was, yeah, that was on February 16th. um, And that's the same day that the landlord saw Lucas through the window. So that was the Friday before he was reported missing. Uh, We do know that Jonathan, his father, last FaceTimed with him. That was their habit in the evenings on February the 15th. So we've got him alive on February the 15th. And and the landlord saw him around 530 on the 16th. Okay. Around 530 in the afternoon. Yep. So we've got a 24-hour period where... No one knows where Lucas is. I just find it just the oddest thing to Ashley Wilcott that the stepmother, if she can be called that, leaves the boy at home alone, I might add, at five years old, while she takes her natural, her biological daughter out to eat and leaves him there starving. Uh, Kim, what can you tell me about cuts and bruises that people saw on the little boy before he went missing? It had started back, the the first time I believe that um, CPS was called was May of 2017. Things had been noticed before then. Um, I mean, just bruises on his rear end, on his face, cuts on his nose. Um, The worst, or maybe not the worst, but the biggest uh, red flag to me was one of his arms, I believe it was the left arm, was so bruised that when they went for a visit, Temporary tattoos were placed over the bruises in an attempt to hide them. Oh, my stars. Ashley Wilcott, uh, Atlanta juvenile judge. I didn't know that. They actually tried to cover up the bruises with temporary tattoos. That's bad. It's really bad. And let me tell you, this child should have been removed by defects when all this bruising was seen. So this is a clear system fail. They failed to protect this child. Multiple times. It was reported again in November. And the last picture or the last known picture of Lucas he, if you put the photos side by side, you know, of him a year ago, it does not look like the same child. He's lost so much weight. He, his face is sunken. His eyes are black. His nose is cut. Um, and, you know, a picture of him two weeks earlier, he looked much better. He was with um, right biological grandmother that weekend and you know they had a good time laughing fun he looked fine you know two weeks later he's with emily and her family and he's got two black eyes oh it's, it, it's awful and he looks so sad in those pictures he's there's one where he looks at a 
camera. They're doing a little family photo, and it's almost his little eyes are just pleading. That picture just haunts me. It really does. A school nurse documents little Lucas's bruises and cuts just a couple of weeks before he disappears. The little pre-K boy had a prolonged absence from school. And when you get to the school nurse and she is writing about all of your bruising, that's bad. Now, we believe that Lucas had bruises most often after the stepmother glass and the father fought it seems to me that somebody was taking it out on the little boy to lee egan crimeonline.com what do we know about emily glass the so-called stepmother well what we know according to court documents you're absolutely right um they're alleging that the father and the mother would fight a lot and then he would leave he would go months on end months at a time he would be out of town for work and she's left there along with lucas and her anger allegedly would be turned to him and she'd smack him you know she'd push him around and like Kim said there were bruises all over his body she sent him to school this way they noticed it they documented it I believe I don't know for sure but I believe they reported it yet nothing was done I mean he he went back home why why Ashley Wilcott you're the juvenile judge you're the founder of ChildCrimeWatch.com. Why is it with defects? Department of Family Children's Services, CPS, Child Protective Services, they just sit by and take notes and notes and notes and notes while the kid dies. And even worse, pictures and pictures and pictures and pictures in this case. There's no explanation for the why. There is no good reason. Their job, DFAX's job, is to investigate allegations. And if there's any substantiation or belief that the child's at imminent risk, then they call the court to remove the, the child from that home. That's what should have happened. Just I just don't get it. I mean... What do you have to write? War and peace? Before you can get a child taken out of an abusive home? Take a listen to Kansas City Police. This is Officer Charlie Davison announcing Lucas officially is gone. Lucas was last seen wearing black sweats, white socks, and a gray shirt with a bear on it. Our thoughts and prayers remain with Lucas and Lucas's family as we are diligently investigating the situation. On Friday, February 17th at approximately 6.15, officers were dispatched to a lost juvenile call at a residence in the 600 block of South Edgemore. When they arrived, they made contact with a 26-year-old female who was the stepmother of Lucas. She reported to officers that she last saw Lucas in his bedroom at approximately 3 p.m. prior to her showering and falling asleep. Officers and canine units have diligently checked the home and the neighborhood with no luck of locating Lucas at this time. Currently, Wichita Police Department detectives continue to speak with family and follow up with any leads regarding this unfortunate situation. So we are asking the community with has any information regarding this case to please call tips in to 316-383-4661. And there will be individuals at our employment, or excuse me, emergency operation command center to answer those tips. However, at this point, we're asking citizens to share the information on their social media pages and call the tip line with any information. What I don't understand is what has happened during the night hours. What do we know, Lee Egan, about the father just getting arrested, the father, the biological father getting arrested? overnight and then he just walks out of jail what what happened why was he behind bars did it have anything to do with lucas disappearing it did not it's an unrelated charge and it was a misdemeanor according to the door uh, i'm sorry court documents he smacked um one of emily's biological sons hard enough on his chest to leave a mark and he appeared in court and i believe they arrested him right after his court hearing 2500 bond he was right out same day 
you know what? I mean, they've got him right there behind bars, and they let him walk. When Lucas goes missing, to Kim Martin joining me with Missing Pieces Network, looking for answers. God bless you, Kim Martin. Where was the bio dad when Lucas goes missing? He, the baby Lucas, five-year-old Lucas, just turned five. He's at home with the so-called stepmother. She's really a living girlfriend is what she is. Go ahead. Where's the dad? He was in New Mexico working. As a what? Why was he in New Mexico? He works, um, I don't understand the oil industry, but he's a contractor and works down there, something to do with oil rigs. So he's, his schedule now is he works 20 days on, and then he's off for 10 days. Now, last year... Yep, yep, yep. I'm familiar with that. Um, yep. Last year, for most of the day, it was, for most of the year, he was 40 days on and 20 days off. So so he would be gone for three weeks. That's tough. That's a tough way to make a living. So Ashley Wilcott, I believe that the stress would go up. And the stepmother, she's a living girlfriend. I don't even want to call her a stepmother. But her anger and resentment toward having to take care of Lucas would escalate when the bio dad, her boyfriend, is gone. And it would get worse and worse and worse. And then while he's gone, Lucas goes missing. I agree with you, Nancy. And here's what makes it one step worse. Think about those tattoos, the temporary tattoos covering up bruises. Not only did the stress get worse, her actions got worse. It was premeditated. She knew what she was doing was wrong. She knew she was beating the crap out of this kid and instead covers it up and just keeps doing it. Guys, take a listen to what we know. We're talking about the stepmother of missing five-year-old Wichita boy, Lucas Hernandez. Emily Glass, a 26-year-old living girlfriend with her children of her own, is there in the home saying she took a shower and a nap for three hours in the middle of the day. Man, I wish I had three hours to burn in the middle of the day when I could just kick back and take a long luxury. Hey, you remember those commercials, Ashley Wilcott, that would say, Calgon, take me away. Oh, Jackie's mouthing it right now. And there'd always be this woman like with one of those turban things on her head. And she was had on full makeup, of course, with eyelashes and all that. And I would think she was so beautiful. She was like stretched out in this beautiful tub with the bubbles up to her chin and candles and music. I'm like, wow, okay, I need to do that. Of course, that has never happened. Do you remember <laughs> Calgon Take Me Away, Ashley? Was it just me? I remember it. It sounded delightful. Let me suggest this, Nancy. You what might do it in the might? shower and the bed for three about, hours in yeah. the middle of the day. Why is it just me that's working my rear end off? Like somebody asked me the other day, have you ever been to Italy? And I went, no, I've only been to work. <laughs> what is she doing having a, a shower for three hours in the middle of the day? And it's completely different once you have kids. You might, might, might decide with no kids, no responsibilities of kids in the home. Okay, good, then I'm going to do it. But once you have kids, you know, Nancy, every second you're not not working what are you doing you are paying attention to your children what they're doing well at five o'clock this morning i was up working on john david's report for school okay but that's what that's me at five o'clock doing that's what parents who are good parents should be doing not napping while they're failing to supervise their young children kim martin missing pieces network is it true she tried to blame the other children for all the bruises all over lucas um she did she, well, she deflected when answered about it and said that she sometimes sent Lucas to her cousin's house and there were older boys and you know how boys will be. It was one of those types of excuses. Not my boy. Uh-uh, not yet anyway. That's me knocking on wood because, well, actually, Lucy's <laughs> the one. If either one of them touched the other, oh, oh yeah, that's a big, big no-no. Uh-uh. No hitting. So this whole boys will be boys thing, mm-mm. I've seen enough juvenile offenders that that is not washing with mommy. Guys, listen to this. Listen to this. Police pull out all the stops. They bring out the canines. They do extensive searches, including over 100 officers, the dogs, the helicopters, parks, streams, neighborhoods where Glass lived all over the place looking for Lucas. Citizen groups joined the search. 
found no sign of the boy. Investigators still insisting they find no evidence the boy abducted. Police reports showing officers had been called to the home in the past when the boy's father and stepmother had fought until this. Take a listen to Kansas Deputy Police Chief Gavin Sealer. This case is now considered a criminal investigation. Uh, investigators have arrested a 26-year-old female on two counts of child endangerment. Charges are related to new information gathered during this investigation. Officers and investigators have been working on this case nonstop since 6.15 uh, Saturday evening. We have collected information through countless interviews follow-ups on leads and examining evidence this evidence or I'm sorry this incident was, has touched many in our community I know that many there are many more questions as a result of this however this continues to be a criminal investigation and we cannot go into further details the search for Lucas Lucas is ongoing and we are still asking the public for assistance we continue to provide every resource we have available to find Lucas. This is our priority. Uh, if you have any information on where his whereabouts, please call this tip line. Number is 316-383-4661. Um, as a result of this investigation, too, we would also like to thank other, those other agencies that have been assisting us over the past few days. Those are the FBI, KBI, the District Attorney's Office, and the Sedgwick. County Sheriff's Office. So, at that at this point, yes. The 26 questions. year old, is that the stepmother? That is the stepmother. Emily Glass? Uh, it is 26 year old female. The uh, endangering the child, would that be endangering Lucas? That, uh, there are two children involved in this. So, two separate counts or two separate children? There's two, two separate counts, correct. Would one of them be Lucas? One of those children is Lucas, yes. Do we know where the other child is? Or is, do we know if the other it child is, is involving a one-year-old child. Is that her her daughter? Uh, I won't go into that. Do you consider at this point that his disappearance is likely going to be a homicide? At this point in time, we hope not. Uh, we hope that we are able to find Lucas and that he is alive and well. Where are you guys searching now? Uh, this uh, investigation will continue on as far as specific locations. There's various locations that we'll I won't name any specific locations. Can you elaborate on the nature of endangering the child? Like, was it leaving a child alone or the nature of it? I won't get into the investigation charges. When was she arrested? She was uh, arrested about 7. Do one more question. What information, and I guess when did you guys get that information that turned this into a criminal investigation? This has been a result of, as I mentioned, we started at 6.15 on this um, three days ago, four days ago. And uh, so as a result of all the interviews and throughout the investigation and stuff, and, and talking with people, uh, evidence that was collected and things, that's when we turned it into the criminal investigation as well. Have you guys been able to uh, verify her account of what happened in terms of her being the last person to see him? Again, that's all part of the investigation. I don't want to get into details of it, okay? And so I won't discuss that part of it. Well, it, it is possible there could be more charges. There is possibility of more charges, correct. Yeah, she's, she's behind bars on this, but still no Lucas. Listen now to Lucas's aunt, Sally. Rasmussen, as she speaks to KAKETV. You know, I, I just feel helpless. All these stories I've been hearing for months about him possibly being abused. And they investigated and, and had a forensic interview and all that kind of stuff. And since um, I guess the police didn't think there was enough evidence, uh, when I first found out he was missing, I um, was suspicious and then uh, worry. What is so heartbreaking about that, Lee Egan, investigative reporter on CrimeOnline.com? Everybody knew. Everybody knew he's getting beaten at home where they cover up the, the bad bruises with temporary tattoos, but yet he's still in the home. Lee, I don't understand it. I don't either. I don't. I mean, family members reported it. 
family members confronted Jonathan, his father, and Emily, and allegedly Jonathan stopped talking to his family after they accused Emily of abusing Lucas. He cut them off social media. He stopped taking their calls. Oh, wait a minute. Are you talking about the dad, the bio dad? Yes. Ashley, help me. I've never seen a case in court that I prosecuted where one partner is charged with abusing the child and the other one, they stand by the partner and not the child. What is that? It is so common in child welfare. As a judge, I see it all the time. And it's even weirder to me that generally it's not a husband standing by a wife or vice versa. It's always a boyfriend, a girlfriend. It's it's fascinating, isn't it? I don't know the reason, but it happens all the time. Well, take a listen to this. Kim Martin joining me from Missing Pieces Network. Ashley Wolcott, juvenile judge, founder of ChildCrimeWatch.com, and Lee Egan, Crime Online. Listen to Emily glass in court just in court demanding her bond be lowered listen to this in this case this bond reflects crimes that are not charged in the complaint the severity of the alleged crime committed um, compared to the bond itself is a huge exaggerated difference in what any other similarly situated defendant would receive additionally she's been in custody since february 21st this crime carries a maximum sentence of 12 months and maximum fine nowhere near to $50,000. The possible punishment allowed by law does not support such a high bond amount. Emily is from this area. She resides in this area. All of her family lives in this area. Her sink case is in this county. She's not a flight risk. With all matters being considered, the court believes that in this particular case, under these facts and circumstances, with that ongoing investigation occurring, with, which involves a minor child, that case in itself and that investigation makes Ms. Glass a flight risk in order to respond and answer to these charges in this case. So with all that in mind and all that uh, under consideration, the court believes that the bond in this case is appropriately set and will deny the motion. Kim Martin with Missing Pieces Network looking for answers. Kim, the stepmother, the living girlfriend, is behind bars trying desperately to get her bond lowered. She's behind bars for the endangerment of her own daughter. That's what she's behind bars for. Um what about the bio dad? What's his state of mind? Well, this I think is interesting. Um, I talked to Jonathan yesterday before he went to court, and this just tells me how much manipulation by Emily he is and how much in denial he is. When we were talking about it, he said, I can't go to jail. I'm the only provider for my family. And that's when it quite honestly occurred to me that he does not realize the magnitude of what's going on he's not going to go home to a family he's lost his youngest daughter he's lost lucas and i don't know if in his mind he is thinking emily's the only thing he has left because he's you know he's already estranged from the rest of his family because of her you know he just he's in denial kim martin i hope you're sitting down Listen to this. Nancy, Emily Glass spoke exclusively from jail to Fact Finder 12 investigator Devin Fassbinder. There's obviously a lot of rumors going on. There's obviously a lot of rumors going on, a lot of things that people are saying about uh, your stepson, Lucas. Just curious if there's anything that you want to say about that situation. Well, yes. Um, in the past, you know, there's been times he's, you know, being a boy. Um, and playing with older brothers and his cousins. Um, you know, he, he gets bruises. Uh, he has had some falls. Um, he's like his son, too, you know. Your son may not have given birth to him, but he's my baby boy today. I take care of him every day, you know. Um, do you have any idea where Lucas might be at this point? Guys, I wish I did. But if anyone knows, I'm 
one does know. Because me and Dad are very sick. You know, and I, I keep thinking that you can hear what could have happened, you know. He has sisters and even brothers. He's so loved. No, Emily, I, I hope you understand. I do have to ask you because of, you know, the arrest and because of a lot of rumors. Did you hurt Lucas? I did not. I would never hurt my Because there's, there's a huge, there's a huge history between, you know, the Lucas' family from New Mexico and I and all of the accusations. Um, so are you saying when he had got hurt and ended up with bruises, he wasn't under my care. Because um, I would send them off with my cousins, and there's older boys over there, and he's a very little, small boy, and he can get hurt easily. And when he's playing with older boys who are like 10 years old, even though you have to tell him, hey, Luke, be careful. We gotta tell him all the time, you know, be careful. So you're saying that all of those bruises and those things from the pictures and the accusations are all from him just being a little boy and playing with other boys? Absolutely. I mean, there's times where him and my older boys would be rough around the house and they would even get rougher, you know? Normal boy things. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you would want to say to Lucas if you could right now? You know what, Emily Glass, if you love Lucas, tell me where he is. Did you know about a recent law that could leave your personal data exposed online for anybody to find? If you've turned on the news lately, you know the Internet has created a dangerous new world. Data breaches expose private information. There's a new cybersecurity threat every other day. And criminals can sell the identity of you and your family on the dark web. It's time you take the power back by using a new website called Truthfinder. Truthfinder allows you to find out exactly what information exists about you online. Have you gotten a speeding ticket, received a lien from the IRS, forgotten about an embarrassing social media profile? Truthfinder searches through millions of public records, puts all that data together in one easy-to-read report. Members get unlimited searches, so you can also look up those close to you and make sure they're not hiding something from their past. You also get free dark web monitoring to make Truthfinder the ultimate tool in identity protection. If your personal info appears for sale on the dark web, you'll be the first to know. Visit truthfinder.com slash nancy. Enter your own name. Get started. In the last hours, about 150 people are at an Oak Park location remembering the life of a 24-year-old man who dies while in police custody. What happened? What happened? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. What went wrong? Did a young man in the prime of his life commit suicide behind bars? An Oak Park man dies after an apparent mix-up? in a Chicago jail. Joining me right now on the story, RadarOnline.com's investigative reporter, Alexis Tereszczuk. Alexis, this sounds uh, very hard to believe. A mix-up behind bars and then suddenly a healthy young man commits suicide? You know what? Hold on. Listen, Alexis. This is his daughter, four-year-old Savannah, singing to him. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear daddy. Happy birthday to you. Alexis, you and I both have children. And the thought that his daughter, 
through some apparent mix-up and an alleged suicide behind bars leaves her without a father to just start at the beginning alexis what happened tyler lumar is his name 24 years old wonderful man in the community everybody loved him he gets arrested by the police this is where the police the the versions are not mixing up apparently they say that there was an outstanding warrant. He owed just $25 for an outstanding warrant, and it was four days late. So they arrested him, put him in jail. He wanted to pay the $50 bail, and apparently what the family is saying is that they were the police refused to let him out. They refused to let him pay the $50 bail. They lock him up. They refuse to release him. He calls his family from behind bars, speaks to them once. Then they don't hear from him. Days go by. The police are still refusing to release him. And his family says that he tried to commit suicide behind bars. So many of those facts really are not lining up for me. First of all, jails are so overcrowded. If he wanted to pay the fine, why wouldn't they let him out? Is that the alleged mix-up? That is what they're saying, yes. That's, the police say that it's a mix-up, that they didn't know they wanted to pay. Um, the family is saying that they were obviously holding him for no reason. And because it was just $50. It was a four-day late fine, $25. And then he offered, he wanted to pay the $50. He had no criminal record. This was not a long-term criminal man. This was somebody who had no criminal record. And he was, this is, that's why they're saying this is, this is not right. He should not have been behind bars. And the family says that the police didn't check on him, that they left him for hours and hours and hours behind, locked up behind bars for no reason. And that is when he attempted to commit suicide because nobody was watching him. Nobody checked on him. Well, the family has now filed a major federal lawsuit alleging that Mr. Lumar was wrongfully detained and also neglected in a jail cell. Police say that Lumar threatened a doctor uh, who refused to refill his cough medicine prescription. Now, he was not charged at the time, but records indicate moments later he was arrested because of a downstate warrant over an overdue $25 payment in a misdemeanor traffic case. So one piece of the puzzle that I'm missing is police say he threatened a doctor who refused to refill his cough medicine prescription. That's bad. But even if that's true, still, if he wanted to pay the overdue payment of $25, I don't understand why he was kept behind bars. And I also don't understand why someone could commit suicide, allegedly commit suicide, and nobody noticed. The lawsuit claims he had actually paid the amount, but that the authorities did not withdraw the warrant. The lawsuit is alleging Chicago police put an extradition hold on him and that he would be jailed while Lee County was waiting to pick him up. Now, all of this sounds really bizarre to me. So Alexis Tereschuk, Raider Online, explain to me what the alleged mix-up is. The mix-up is, is that he was he had paid the fine he should not have been in jail for paying the fine it was done it was paid the paperwork just hadn't been completed and the other county was trying to get him out so the police were holding him but then he offered to pay the bail he offered to pay it was fifty dollars he said i will pay let me out why are you keeping me in jail for a fine that i have already paid and they refused to let him out kept him locked up this was something he something happened with him and they say that he apparently tried to commit suicide. That That is, they're saying apparently, because you don't know what could have happened. Right. Well, he then up- he ended up in the hospital. Was he in, so he tries to commit suicide. Uh, reportedly, it was a suicide attempt. And he ends up in a hospital. Why was he in a hospital? And how long did he linger there? Was he in a coma, Alexis? He was in a coma. And that's oh, when you see him. Oh. And how old was he when all this happened? 24 years old. Uh, uh. And no criminal record. It's just so overwhelming. Another problem for me is that apparently an autopsy has been concluded. But the manner of Lumar's death 
is still under investigation. And that's coming from a spokesperson from the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office. Now, I don't understand if the autopsy has been done, why aren't we getting all the results? See, that just adds to more belief in some kind of a cover-up. And I'm not saying there is a cover-up, but when it's not transparent, I mean, I would want answers if my husband com- commit tries to commit suicide behind bars after just like 40, 48, 72 hours behind bars. I, th- I find that really hard to believe. I would want answers. Vincent, I don't understand why we're not getting answers. Nancy, I can't understand either. But one thing I want to um, stress here is, you know, everyone keeps saying he paid the fine, but as former law enforcement, I can tell you it is my duty. If I stop someone and they have a warrant, it is my duty that I must serve that warrant. So even if he paid the fine, I've arrested people with warrants that had likely cleared their fine, but it was my duty to do that. So I think when this goes to court, that part of that may be a mute point. But I do question that he was there. He wanted to commit suicide after you know, just a few hours in jail, especially for something that was so minor. We're not talking that he was going down for triple murder. It apparently was a fine that he hadn't paid. So I I definitely question that and what happened and why, you know, we don't know what happened and the autopsy is not conclusive at this point. Well, I know this. I know his family distraught. This is Tyler Lumar's longtime girlfriend, the mother of his daughter. Listen, Tyler got arrested for supposedly having a warrant, um, and he called me, actually, to tell me that he was getting arrested, and he asked me to um, send the receipts showing that he paid everything and didn't have a warrant. The police officer got on the phone and told me it didn't matter, that they had to take him in anyway. So they took him in. I, I'm not sure if they took him specifically to the 11th district or straight to 26 in Cal. I, the day went on, I assumed like, oh, he was just gonna call me later. Um, I had four missed calls from him. Later on in the day, I got a phone call and she said, um, is this Casey Tenkate? And I said, yes. And she goes, I'm calling about Tyler Lamar. He's here at Mount Sinai Hospital um, because he tried to hurt himself in jail. I was like, what? I was like, are you sure? Like, I was so confused. I went to the hospital and they wouldn't, they didn't really tell us much um, about what happened. They only told us like he was found unresponsive. There was two police officers at the hospital that wouldn't let us see him. So he was still in police custody. Um, So we tried to see him and they were like, no, we're sorry. You can't go in and we were like, well, this is like life or death here. We don't know if he's gonna even make it through the night. Like, I called the police department to ask what the charges were. The guy that answered had no idea. I was like, okay, well, they're not letting us see him. Can you like tell us when we can see him? He was like, hold on, let me check. He gets back on the phone and he goes, oh, all charges are dropped. You guys can see him now. The police officer should be leaving. How was Tyler at this point? He was completely, uh, he was in a, um, medically induced coma. So he was completely sedated on a ventilator. He had um, a tube in his lungs because his one of his lungs collapsed. And he didn't become a little bit responsive until about like two or three weeks after getting hurt is when he, we start, he started like opening his eyes and responding to pain and stuff like that. He still isn't communicating. He communicates to us through like, we'll ask him like yes or no questions through blinking. So he does that. Um, he like will occasionally like squeeze hands and stuff, but there's no like verbal communication from him yet. Back to Alexis Terezchuk, writeronline.com, investigative reporter. Where does the case stand now? What's happening, Alexis? So his family has filed a federal lawsuit against the law enforcement agency. They're claiming that he was held unlawfully and that he was not checked properly. They're saying that they did not, while he was detained, while he was locked up, they weren't checking on him and that they, he had called. So they knew that he was in distress and that that that's not the policy that you can't just lock somebody up and throw away the key and never see them again. And so that this mistreatment while he was locked in jail 
is the reason why he is dead. And they have filed a federal lawsuit. They want answers. They want all of the evidence. They want all of the police records because they do not believe that this is something that was run of the mill, just a, re- a regular arrest. They believe that he was intentionally harmed by this police department. A young man just 24 years old is dead after an alleged mix-up leads to his wrongful arrest, his attempted hanging, followed by massive massive brain injuries after the attempted hanging after less than 72 hours behind bars on this wrongful detention reportedly he's in a coma in the last days he dies a man who tries to hang himself in a chicago police lockup has led his family to accuse police of wrongfully detaining him and he has died after a long time suffering in a hospital bed, Tyler Lumar, just 24 years old at the time of his death, massive brain injuries after an alleged suicide attempt. It just doesn't even sound plausible. Now, the Cook County Medical Examiner Office confirms he was pronounced dead. The autopsy has been done, but we still don't know all the results of the autopsy. What's the holdup, Alexis Therese Chuck? Well, the police are saying that there is an ongoing investigation, and that's why they're not releasing the details. So, But the family doesn't believe this. They don't buy it, and they want their own answers, and that's why they filed the lawsuit. They had to take this extreme measure because they feel like that there is a cover-up by the police. They don't know what happened, but their son is dead, and they want answers for his little girl who had to sing to him in the hospital. Well, back to the... Back to- Back to where it all started, Vincent Hill, a former cop and now private investigator. Vincent, um, the Chicago police officers, let's just go back to the beginning. Now, listen to what they say. Chicago police say they were called to a medical clinic, and it's located over in East Garfield Park neighborhood. Okay, they're called over there after Lumar reportedly yells and screams and actually threatens a doctor who refuses to refill his cough medicine prescription and then throws papers all over the floor. And this is the critical part, says he would come back and shoot the place up. All right, that's not good. Now, this is if this is the right person, that's a problem. Now, police actually let Lumar go without charges, but then just minutes later, those very same officers arrest him. They stop him as he's walking down the street and arrest him because Lee County authorities in western Illinois had issued a warrant over a $25 payment in a misdemeanor traffic case that occurred all the way back in 2015. Now, Lumar insisted he had paid the $25, But Lee County authorities did not withdraw the warrant. That's what the lawsuit says. Chicago police contacted Lee County and learned it carried a $500 bond. Now, the way the system actually works is he could have posted the $50 Alexis was talking about and gone home. He had $130 on him, according to the police report. But we don't know why cops put him on an extradition hold, meaning he had to go to lockup and wait for Lee County to pick him up. That None of that makes sense. And then the next day, while he's still in Cook County Jail, a sheriff's pack officer finds a pack of crack near him. Near him, not on him. You know, when they check you in, when you're booked, Vincent, they check you. They would have known if he had crack cocaine on him at the time he went in behind bars, wouldn't they? Well, not necessarily, Nancy. I can't tell you how many officers I've worked with personally that have missed things on searches. Yeah, I am curious as to why they wouldn't have charged him with the threats he made to this doctor. And and I'm more curious as to why this neighboring county would even want to extradite for such a simple uh, warrant. I mean, I've caught people in Nashville that were wanted in California, but based on the nature of the warrant, there was no extradition. So, you know, I I really question why there was even this question about extradition for something so minor. Uh, You know, I I think there were some breakdowns here that, that could have prevented what happened.
what could have prevented Well, here's another wrinkle. Now, I'm learning this from his family's lawsuit. So th- this is coming from their point of view. His lawyer, Eileen O'Connor, stated last year, security video shows another inmate removing the cocaine from his shoe and tossing it next to Lumar. That's what she claims. They also claim he had been searched eight times without finding any drugs. Now, that is in their lawsuit where they're accusing the Cook County Sheriff's Office. I don't know what's true or not. He was then later found hanging by his own shirt. That's what happened. I know that part is true. The rest is a mystery. We're still waiting for the full autopsy report to be released as we continue covering the case. What happened to Mr. Lumar? Take a listen to Tyler Lumar's longtime girlfriend, the mother of his daughter. It definitely, like, changed everyone's lives, but mostly, like, Savannah's life. She went a good five, how many months? Four months, like, I've only seen her dad, like, a couple times. So in a perfect world, yeah, he gets better, and I have to just believe that God has a plan for us all, and there's, it's his will, and it's the right will. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. If you are a dedicated crime fighter like myself, or you're a crime junkie, go to CrimeOnline.com for all of the latest in crime and justice. Amber alerts, missing people alerts, news on unsolved homicides and cold cases. I'll see you there, CrimeOnline.com. Bye, friend. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today.